Good day. I can almost see your smiling face out there. I'm Jill Geisler from the Pointer Institute. And again today talking about what great bosses know. And I dedicate this podcast to all the fixers out there, or like me, the recovering fixers. Because even today, I'm tempted when I see a piece of writing, for example, to grab it and redo it for the person just to make it a little better. People in all lines of work tell me that they too are fixers. I ask when I'm teaching in seminars, I out myself as a recovering fixer and ask if there are any others like me in the room and hands always go up. Why is it that managers who really want to do well can't help but put their hands on the product and change it when they see something that needs to be better? Well, I think there are five reasons, and I wrote about them in a recent column for Pointer.org. The five reasons managers are addicted to fixing. Some you won't like so much, and some you'll understand. Number one reason is vanity. You know, you used to be really good at something in your craft. It's the reason that they promoted you to management, so you could oversee that craft. Problem is, you don't do that frontline work anymore and you miss it, right? So when the opportunity comes for you to jump in and lay your hands on things and show what you got, you can't help but do it. Number two, efficiency. Hey, you want to get things done in a hurry, you're really busy, so it's actually faster for you to do the work yourself than to show someone else how to make it better. That's efficient in the short term. But in the long term, it causes you to keep coming back and do it and do it and do it over again. Number three reason you're addicted to fixing is quality. You have very high standards, and the one person who always meets your standards is you. And so you know that if you do it yourself, it's going to be done just the way you want it. Again, the problem is it's you doing it, and you're not coaching other people to grow. Number four is your sense of responsibility. You never want to let the organization down. The minute that you see a piece of work that could be better, you're worried that it's something wrong. And because you're competitive and aggressive, you want to beat the competition. You don't want to let anything undone. You do it yourself. The fifth reason, well, this is not so good. It's incapacity. Fixing is the lone tool in your repair kit. It's the only thing you know how to do because you have not taken the time and made the commitment to become a coach. And that's important because if you don't coach and you keep fixing, you know what happens? You are training people, your underperformers, your mediocre performers, to think that that's what you really want. You want them to just do whatever they do because they can hand it over to you to be polished up and made pretty. You've trained them to think that average is okay because you're the person who's responsible for making it better, not them. And your very best performers, well, when you lay your hands on their work, they can chafe at that. They don't want somebody messing with their work. They'd rather have a coach who helps them take it to the next level, not just take it out of their hands, and they think of you as a micromanager. So how do you become a coach? Listen, if I could do it, you could do it. You, first of all, become a student of quality work, including the work that you used to do that was so good that everybody raved about. You figure out in detail how to deconstruct it, step by step, what it takes to do excellent work in your field. And then you realize that not everybody does it the same way. They may have a a different path to excellence, but you know the individual pieces and parts and decisions and behaviors. 
Then you have to develop coaching language around all those pieces and parts and decisions and behaviors. When you describe things with very memorable terms, people will now remember it. In fact, it becomes part of a coaching culture. I'll give you an example from writing. When I was trying to get people to understand the difference between active voice and passive voice in writing, to get them to understand that active voice was usually powerful and passive voice was mushy, I thought of the song that Bob Marley wrote and he and later Eric Clapton recorded, I Shot the Sheriff. I Shot the Sheriff is subject, verb, object, active voice. If I wanted to let people know they'd written in passive voice, all I had to do is massacre that song. I'd sing, the sheriff was shot by me, and they knew in a heartbeat that they had to go back and restructure the writing to make it stronger and active. Well, there are all kinds of possible terms like that that you can develop to help coach people in your field of endeavor. Coaches also has to, have to always remember the power of questions. Telling people what to do isn't coaching. Asking them questions. How can I help you? What are you working on? Are you concerned about this? What if you tried this? All of those questions help people discover their own answers. And when they discover their own answers and solutions, they are more likely to follow through on them and really enjoy that work. You're going to enjoy a new level of satisfaction, too, because where once you got your thrills out of doing the work, you'll now be able to step back and enjoy seeing people do that successful work themselves because of your coaching. And you can also coach people through decisions, not just work. When somebody comes to you and says, I don't know if I ought to do this or not, you begin to ask a few questions. You help that person expand their options, challenge some of their ideas, come up with their own decision, and take responsibility for it. Now, it doesn't mean you never give advice. Coaches, of course, give advice, especially if the matter is urgent or the person seems to be really struggling and you don't want to have them feel like you're playing games with them. They just want your good advice. But first, try being a coach because great managers don't just fix the product. They coach the people. And that's what great bosses know for today. I hope you enjoyed it. You can read more about this at pointer.org or in my book, Work Happy, What Great Bosses Know. Thanks again.